This is Farmer's Kitchen with Spinnies on Dubai Eye 103.8. Helen Farmer with you, your chance to hear from the experts, the insiders and the industry, get some great recipe ideas and of course share your questions as well as we talk all things food. You're listening to Farmer's Kitchen on Dubai Eye 103.8. It is Thursday, we are talking food and happy Diwali to everybody celebrating this afternoon, including our next guest. Anki Gulbani joining us from Spinney's. Are you celebrating today, Ankit? Yes, I am. <laughs> With family. Oh, but that's, that was going to be my first question because spirits are very high in the Dubai Eye office today. We've got, obviously, lots of food around. Everyone's looking stunning, really gorgeous, and just a real sense of celebration and festival. And I was thinking you know, would not be nice to, as much as I love my colleagues for those celebrating to be with family. So do most people tend to work um, on this day or do, you know, would you book a, book a day off sometimes? Uh, you could book a day off sometimes, but like a lot of times, at least in Dubai, I find myself working uh, Diwali days. Um, but then it, it's always the evening. So I try to like sneak out of office a little bit early and then go meet family. Yeah. <laughs> Tell us a little bit about celebrations when you were growing up. What was it like as a family in your household? Um, it, the celebrations start several days in advance. So there are, there are several days of Diwali. And uh, so every day would have a different culture and significance. So every day we would celebrate it a little bit differently. But of course, today being like the main, the big, the big event, uh, there used to be a big like puja in the house and there used to be lots and lots of delicious food. So everyone used to look forward to that. And also as a kid, we used to get little uh, money bags to kind of take back with us uh, so that that was something to look forward to every time we went to meet we went and meet our relatives oh okay so who was cooking did it tend to fall I'm just thinking about Christmas comparisons in our household it would mainly be my mum and she kind of puff and puff about it but really wouldn't want to relinquish control to anybody else apart from when I got to teenagers and I'd take care of you know maybe some some nibbly bits is it a collaborative thing most times or does it normally fall to one person who will just boss it on the food front generally it was always my grandmom and my mum who used to like uh, take the lead on it and the kids were not allowed in the kitchen because you know it, god forbid we messed something up or we didn't or we we got the we got the puja offering to taste uh, like like different or because we messed it up by being there or were um, an, like an interference in the whole cooking. <laughs> okay, thinking back, is there one particular smell or dish that really takes you back to your value celebrations as a child? Deep frying of the samosas. Oh, tummy's rumbling. <laughs> um, and what about now? What are you going to be eating tonight, do you know? Um, tonight, probably because like in a lot of like Cindy houses, we end up eating a lot of like alu tikkis. So if you in whoever's house you go to, you end up eating at least like one like one of the snacks or one of the appetizers that'll be served to you will be an alu tiki with some sort of chutney or like a, a tamarind chutney or like a green chutney. That's something I'll definitely be eating. And are there dishes that you would only ever have? on this day that you might look forward to all year long? So the thing about Diwali is because all the different cultures celebrate it differently. So from around around India, everywhere, each place has its own um, like special dishes mm-hmm. for Diwali. So what would be special for me or something that my mum would make for me for Diwali wouldn't necessarily be something that uh, a friend of mine mm-hmm. who, ha- who was maybe a Gujarati would have. they snacks would be different but of course samosas unite everyone so, yeah. <laughs> 
oh please can you write a book called samosas unite everyone i feel like this needs <laughs> this needs to be a philosophy that's in the world um, yeah. right we are going to talk next about some of the recipes that are on the spinney's website now you're listening to farmer's kitchen with spinney's only on dubai i 103.8 happy Diwali to everyone this afternoon it is thursday we're talking food and probably making a few tummies rumble across dubai today thank you goodbye joining us from spinney's as we talk about some very special celebratory meals Tell us a little bit about some of the creations that you and the team have put together for a really special dish, whether you are celebrating with a small family or it's going to be a big gathering for Diwali. So for uh, the recipes that we that we brought together for uh, Diwali, we've done a mix of like modern stuff as well as some classics. Let's start with the classics because the, one of the classics is my favourite. It's actually a chaat, but it is, it's called Dahiwara or Dahibala. It, they're basically deep-fried lentil fritters that are dunked in a thick and creamy yogurt and finished with green and red chutneys, toasted ground cumin powder on top, and it's just served. It is incredible. <laughs> um, what about, um, is there a, does it tend to be a sharing? Is there a main dish that you guys have, have featured that would be the showpiece, the showstopper when it arrives at the table? So instead of like showcasing like a main dish, we've done like sharing platters because a lot of like what happens in Diwali is when everyone gets really chatty and there's like mm-hmm. people get around uh, the table. So there's like they want like to stuff nibble on. Mm-hmm. So we've got like we've got snacks for snacks for like smaller plates. We've got aloo tikis, of course. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm because Diwali and Alutiki is just like it has to happen. But we've put a little bit of, this, of our own spin on it. We've uh, added the, we've added chana dal uh, or lentils to the potato mash that is in the uh, Alutiki. So you're saying it's healthy? <laughs> <laughs> I'm not saying it's healthy because it's still going to be deep fried, but it, it's definitely going to be delicious. Isn't this, it's a day where you're supposed to kind of not be on a diet. Good. Today's the ultimate cheat day. So what about yeah. sweet stuff, Ankit? Um, anything that you is, you know, for you is a particular favorite and what's on the website? Personally, I love Diwali sweets. I have made uh, some kheer for the team today, so I will be having that. But for uh, from from for the for Diwali recipe from Spinney's, we wanted to highlight an easy laddu recipe that you'd be able to make that even starters who've never made Indian sweets before would be able to make, which is a condensed milk and desiccated coconut rose laddu with a raspberry center. Ooh, raspberry. I don't think of raspberry being a kind of a, a, a flavor from subcontinent or I don't think I've ever seen it in any any sweets. Does it work? Uh, it definitely works. And it's our modern take on uh, the traditional laddu. Okay, I'm liking the sound of this. What about on the drinks front? Um, any kind of, I know obviously you have lassi a lot, but is, is there anything that you've done a bit of a new take on, for example, or anything you'd recommend that go, would go along with some of these dishes? Yeah, so in basically when we have this drink called Jaljira, which is it's like a refreshing drink of cumin that you end up uh, having like on like a hot summer's day. But we've added coconut and pineapple to kind of give like a more of a tropical spin to it. So that's another recipe that is fantastic to have or serve to guests when everyone's getting together is the coconut and pineapple Jaljira. 
Right, here's a practical question. Is it too late to pull together some of these dishes for a last-minute get-together tonight? If you're going to do a quick fling-around spinnies on your way home, is there anything that is a pretty easy win on the food front from this website? Yes, you should make the aloo chaat, because I think the aloo chaat recipe that you'd find on spinnies.com is a fantastic thing that comes together, like the prep time is very short. It's about 20 minutes prep time. It's actually just prep because once everything is prepped, you just put it, assemble the whole chart, like just layer it on like a like an like like Indian lasagna and you just serve it. <laughs> okay, that's your second book. Your first one is Samotas Unite Everybody. The next one is a cultural history bringing together Indian food and lasagna. The ultimate fusion. Thank you. Have a wonderful celebration with uh, your friends and colleagues at Spinney's today and, of course, with your family tonight. Have you got anything special planned over the weekend? Yeah, sort of. Um, probably spending a little bit more time with families. I have many different like families to visit in Dubai, so that's going to happen over the course of the next few days. Well, have a wonderful time. Thank you for sharing some really mouth-watering dishes. And as you said, they are on the Spinney's website now. So get over there. Some ideas, some inspirations, and of course, a bit of a shopping list too to get you sorted for this evening's celebration. Thank you. Have a wonderful weekend. Do, should I say you happy too. Diwali? What, what, how would you say it to your to your family? Happy Diwali. Happy Diwali. Okay, I'm, I got it right. Yeah, Thank it. you again. You're a superstar. Bye now. Bye. Welcome back to Farmer's Kitchen with Spinney's. Eat well, live well. Only on Dubai Eye 103.8. We are talking about one of my favourite subjects this afternoon, and that is cheese. Dissertations have been written on it. We have got history books in going back for hundreds of years, talking about the importance of it. And joining us on the line now from Valence in Provence is François Robin. He is a fromager, a cheesemonger, um, and explain a little bit about why France is the leading country for cheese and some of his favourite ways to eat it. François, thank you so much for being with us today. Um, can I ask you a, a, perhaps a, an obvious question, but one that really interests me? Why the interest in cheese and how did you become a cheesemonger? I won't be so long on that, but uh, it's certainly uh, because of my family, because my father was a farmer. He had uh, a farm with 400 goats, so he was also making cheese. But uh, as he was a clever man, uh, he is a clever man, he is. He told me not to become a, <laughs> a cheesemaker because it's a lot of work. Uh, actually, I did study a little bit science and work uh, in, in a concert venue, things like that. But turning 35, I decided to go back to my roots and to attend the cheese uh, cheesemonger school in Paris. Uh, so I decided to, to, to dive into that world uh, in 2007. Uh, that's quite a uh, Not that that long ago, but uh, it's, it's a second life for me, a second I, professional life. I love the idea of cheese school in Paris. Please paint <laughs> us a picture. What was the training like? Uh, actually, I was working in a cheese shop. From time to time, we went to a cheese school and learned more about how to cut it, how to store it, but also what's the history of those cheeses, uh, uh, the cheese from France or anywhere in Europe and in the world. And it, it was really great because we were, uh, I was like super excited to know more. When you're going back to school, mm-hmm. uh, when you are 35 or so, you are so motivated that uh, any information is a good one couldn't agree more i feel like education is often wasted on the youth and you know what you choose to study at 18 is perhaps <laughs> not what you're going to be wanting to do in your 40s so to, to study something when you are in your mid-30s when you've had some life and you try to find your passion 
you're there with a different head on in some ways. Um, so tell us a little bit about why you think France is truly a global leader uh, when it comes to the production of cheese. What, what is the history there that we should know as cheese lovers? Cheese is uh, mostly in, in the history a food for uh, farmers, a food for people uh, in the country, not in the in, uh, in the cities at the beginning. Uh, it's also a renewable source of proteins and food. So it's really into our culture as uh, as a country and also in Europe as well. Mm-hmm. But what makes a little bit different the French from the others, the other places, is maybe the incredible variety that we have in, uh, in terroir and climate and uh, mountains and things like that. Um, we are really lucky to have fields of Normandy with a really rich grass. Uh, the, the cows are grazing all year long. And also the high altitude mountains of Alps that brings all different flowers that are available on the, in, the, in the summer. Uh, all those variety of landscapes, climates, ground, and the variety of animals that mm-hmm. are grazing on, it gives a lot of variety in the cheese, and we are lucky enough to have that. As you say, variety of animals as well, you know, cows, cheese, you mentioned, you know, hundreds of goats, ewes, buffaloes, lots of different dairy breeds. <laughs> for, the, for the kind of uninitiated, how do you explain the flavour profile when cheese comes from different animals? Basically, in France, we have three animals used to, to produce cheese. We have cows, and uh, you can do cheeses like Camembert, for example, that is based on cow milk, but Comté as well, which is a mountain cheese uh, from the east of France. Uh, the flavor profile is usually quite um, not that animal, except if you age the cheese a lot. Mm-hmm. We also have goats that are raised mostly in the west and south of France, and they need less water, so you don't find them uh, that much in Normandy, for example, because there is a lot of water available, so you can raise cows. Uh, the goat cheeses are can be really light to really strong, and it gives a little bit of the, the feeling of getting in a in a goat barnyard uh, some, sometimes <laughs> when uh, when it's really intense. The last animal that we are uh, making cheese with the milk is uh, sheep, the ewe, uh, the female of sheep. And uh, the most famous cheese based on that milk is certainly Roquefort. Uh, Roquefort is really a, one of the best uh, from known worldwide cheese uh, from France, and it's a blue cheese, really intense and long. But you can also do really light and medium flavors um, sheep cheese as well. So it's not a question of type of milk that will be stronger than another. Uh, it's really a question of how you make the cheese and how you age it. And it will give you lightness and subtlety at the beginning and maybe a more animal touches and notes at the end of the aging. Can I ask you, Francois, you know, given your years of experience from both the production side and, you know, seeing your dad involved in that and, and now your role. Um, do you feel like there are some essential French cheeses that everyone should taste at least once in their lifetime? All of them. No, five. <laughs> <laughs> okay, let's go, let's go for five. Let's go for five. Uh, for sure, uh, you should uh, try a real Camembert de Normandie, uh, which is... Um, worldwide known, but there are a lot of uh, versions of Camembert. The real version of Camembert de Normandie is a PDO one. It's raw milk based and it's the old-fashioned way to do it. It gives also more flavors in cream, butter, and uh, a 
touch of animality uh, on the rind of it. You should try as well an old Comté. Comté is that she's from the, the east of France. Mm-hmm. Old Comté, let's say 24 months to 36 months, two to three years. It's really complex, rich in aromatic with uh, like dried fruits, notes, a little bit of um, caramel uh, sometimes, and a crunchy uh, chewing with crystals inside. It's really great. Mm. It's, it, it has to be compared to the sensation that you can have by tasting an old Parmigiano-Reggiano. Mm-hmm. So it's as complex and as rich as well. The Roquefort <laughs> I was talking about. If you never had a Roquefort before, let's, let's go for it. You should have it because it's buttery, melty, intense. It's strong in salt. It's strong in, in cave and earth, earthiness notes, of course. But it's also really an experience. And you can ease a little bit the chewing, the, the tasting of it, by uh, bringing some pear, for example, or dates in the Middle East. Really good because yes, it will we can do dates. quiet down. Yes, it will quiet down a little bit uh, the, the, the saltiness. Why won't we go for a washed rind? That is to say, cheese that has been washed gently. This French is, French is really famous for that cheese, uh, like uh, Munster, for example, mm-hmm. or Livaro. Let's say let's go for Munster. M-U-N-S-T-E-R, uh, not monster, uh, <laughs> even if it, it smells a little bit. <laughs> this one is, uh, is really smelly. You can, you can smell it before you see it, uh, but it's, uh, it's really good um, and milky more than, one to, one, than what you think, in fact. The monster is also one thing to be eaten, maybe uh, on a slice or, of gingerbread together with a little bit of, um, of dates once again, in order to, to ease the tasting. And let's finish. Uh, let's go for, and maybe that's the one you should start with, is Bria Savarin. Bria Savarin is a triple cream cheese. Oh. It's really like eating cream mixed with butter plus milk <laughs> together with a bloomish, lightly mushroomy rind. It's a wonder. And it's really great because you can put a lot of ingredients inside, like truffle, mm. like herbs and things like that, and uh, cook it without being a cook, uh, actually. Oh, that's uh, my dream. Uh, so so it, it can really carry flavors. It's a good vehicle for, for other... Okay, that sounds amazing. Now, do you eat cheese yeah. at any time of the day? Breakfast, lunch, dinner, dessert? Well, in France, there is a tradition that used to be to have the cheese after the main course and before the desserts. Uh, in between and uh, we are the only one to do that but things are changing and today I'm eating cheese in the morning I had my breakfast with cheese this morning I did too Uh, (laughs) but that's good that's great that's great I mean you don't have to follow the French way to do it and uh, people are changing even in France and more uh, more and more we can see people having a a cheese board at afterworks Mm -hmm. or uh, inviting friends and just having a cheese tray you know it's really good that People feel free to do that because you don't need to go uh, to follow the fancy and official, a little bit snobby way to do it, the French way. Just do it your way. That is to say, if you want to have crackers if you, and not baguettes, if you want to have dates or pomegranate molasse with some comté, let's go for it. Dried fruits, let's go for it. And, and in fact, today, cheese is something that can be full of pleasure any time of the day when you feel like if people want to go on a bit of a cheese pilgrimage and you know we know travel is easing up now um, if they wanted to come to france and go on a bit of a cheese tour or is there one destination you think you have to go to to see that 
full experience and, of course, taste it all. Cheese making rooms are not open. You cannot mm. just go in a farm and hope that the people will uh, have you with them. But you can go, for example, in Franche-Comté, that is to say the east of France, where the Comté has been made. And there is one place, one place I'm thinking of. It's an ancient military fort uh, that was built in the 19th century. It's a place where uh, there were something like 3,000 soldiers and 2,000 horses. We don't need that anymore. We don't need to defend against Switzerland <laughs> because it's a friendly country. <laughs> We're friends with them. So this place that is incredible uh, has, been, has been turned into cheese aging facility. And it's incredible because you don't have soldiers anymore, but wheels of Comté. And a Conte is a cheese that weighs 40 kg. What? It's, 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 yeah. In one military fort, you, you have 100,000 wheels of Conte that are being flipped and brushed every week. And you should go to visit that. It's, it's like a, a cheese museum. It's a place that is oh, incredible. And actually, it's open to public visit. Find military fort, Conte, and you, you will know the destinations. There are two of them that you can visit. Francois Robin, cheesemonger from France. He is coming to the UAE next week, though. Up next, more tips, including how to store cheese to make sure it stays its best for as long as possible. You're listening to Farmer's Kitchen with Spinneys. Only on Dubai Eye 103.8. Talking food, specifically fromage, this afternoon with François Robin. He's a cheesemonger in France. And he's on hand to give us some tips and tricks, including how best to store it, especially in this part of the world. The best way to do it, especially in Middle East, is to store it in a fridge and keeping in parchment paper. The food paper is really better because the cheese is also a living product, living in a good way, I mean. It needs to breathe. I'm not uh, recommending cling film most of the time, but parchment paper to keep the cheese. Keep it in the fridge and put it out of the fridge maybe 20 minutes uh, or so before you eat it. Not two hours uh, before because it will be sometimes a little bit greasy and also all the, the good flavors will be gone. So you need a little bit of freshness in temperature and also in the taste to have the best experience of the cheese. When we talk about cutting the cheeses, we also have to think about giving the rind and the hurt of the cheese to every guest. For example, if you have a cheese like camembert, which is round, you don't cut parallel slices of it. If you do that, you will have trouble with me. It's better to, uh, to cut in triangle because it's more logical. So everybody gets a little bit of, of the edge and everybody gets the hurt of the cheese as well. That will be my best tip, I think, for, for the Middle East uh, consumers. I love that. Okay. And lastly, what should a kind of a newbie to the cheese world look for when selecting a cheese? If you're just going to go and buy one tonight to have a bit of a bit of a taste, what some of the qualities you should be looking for? And do you have a recommendation to, to ease someone into the world of French cheese? I've been to Dubai quite a lot. So I've seen uh, that you have access to uh, really high quality cheeses. Mm. And some of them I can find in my local shops. It's really good quality cheese that you can find and purchase in Dubai. For a newbie, what could be good is, is to uh, to find the PDO label. The PDO label is around yellow and red label that ensures you that the cheese has been made in a specific region and using specific breed and following uh, well-being of animals as well and following the tradition. Most of the French cheeses, we have 46 of them that have this PDO label. 
So if you don't know, just by the name of the cheese, try to find that PDO label. It's also available for other uh, European cheeses uh, like Parmigiano Reggiano or Taleggio or Gorgonzola, for example, in Italy. The one that I've been talking about previously, the top five, are all PDO cheeses. Mm-hmm. That's my best advice to a newbie. The main thing is to be curious. And when you buy a range of cheese, try to, to go a little bit out of bound. Try to change your habits. And if you don't really like it, give it to it's me. It's not a bad thing. <laughs> yeah, okay. Somebody will. Somebody will anyway. Exactly. And, and you can cook it to to make it easier for you to eat if you don't really like it the, the way it is naturally. Francois, I would never ask you what your all-time favorite cheese is because I'm sure it depends on seasonality, something you've discovered, your mood, the time of day. But today, what is your favorite cheese? <laughs> Actually, I had a slice uh, yesterday of um, a Pont l'Evêque, which is um, a cheese made in Normandy. It's uh, a little bit washed, a little bit like uh, Camembert de Normandy, and it made my day. So for today, it will be Pont l'Evêque, and tomorrow it will be another one. Well, thank you so much for sharing your knowledge and your passion, Franta. It's been an absolute pleasure. I'm now craving cheese like I've never craved it before. So I think your uh, I think your job is well and truly done. Wishing you a wonderful weekend ahead, and uh, it will be lovely to talk cheese next time you're in Dubai. It will be my pleasure as well, and I hope to see you soon. And Francois is going to be preparing a few cheese dishes for us on Farmer's Kitchen in just a few weeks' time. You're listening to Farmer's Kitchen on Dubai I 103.8. And joining us in studio is a man who doesn't follow trends but sets trends. Chef Edwin is joining us. He is the exec chef at Inked, which is it's a kind of a collective offering foodie experiences, a number of brands under his belt. And we were talking about one of the trends that we're noticing and that he is responsible for vegan sushi very, very soon. But who better to tell us about some of the food trends that we are sick of than Adrian. So what comes to mind? I say food trends that you never want to see on a menu, served to you on Instagram ever again. What's number one offender? Uh, hi, Ellen. Hello. First, thank you so much for having me on I'm the so show. I'm so excited you're in the studio. Again. Yeah, same. <laughs> Yay. Uh, it's a very tough question, to be honest. Uh, I, think, I think there's a lot of food trends that are not cool to see on the menu and to see everywhere and that's why it's called the food trend you think by the time it's a trend we're over it yes i mean some trends are still here like chocolate fondant for example has been here like for so many years but like for example we were talking about it earlier zoodles like the, just, zucu- the zucchini the zucchini noodles they lasted for like i don't know maybe a year and a half too long yeah <laughs> i would tend to not go to places where there is too many food trends and instagrammable places like that's interesting because your your food is very um Artistic, so yep. it photographs very well. Yeah, but you you're a bit suspicious. But then it's got it's good, but it's got to have. It's not just the form. It's you've got to you've got to be able to back it up, right? So by all means, follow a trend, but do do it well. Don't just stick burrata on your menu because you think everyone should have burrata. Exactly. The the challenge also you have. Uh, we live in a beautiful city where it's like cosmopolitan, and people obviously want to have the same kind of food some places. So mm-hmm. you have to have some stuff on the menu that needs to be here, and then you can create other different ingredients that can be different and you can you can recreate it and do it in your own way you should yes. not everyone does now we're looking at the offenders that people are reporting online and on the text line avocado as i said this is because actually and i don't know how i'm allowed to exist in 2021 when i don't really like avocado you don't it, like avocado don't look at me like that oh. i like i'll have like maria benita's guacamole but i'm not gonna go oh that's a beautiful avocado i'm gonna slice it and put it on toast it doesn't <laughs> do it for me 
at all. Um, super tall burgers. We are talking burgers and Inked is an incredible one. But the one where you think, come on, I'm never going to be able to get my mouth around that. And you're charging 300 dirhams. It's just ridiculous. Yeah, I think, again, that's like that's more for the gram than, you know. The, than the, the gut. Yes, because, <laughs> look, to be honest, it's, it's, it's cool to look at it and it's beautiful and there's some like colors and whatever. But when you try to eat that, it, it can become, I'm, I'm sure, very hard to like even like finish it. So... That's the thing. It's for the photo. Yeah. It's not for... So charcuterie boards has been kind of put up there. I like a charcuterie board. I, love I was it. just saying last night I had raclette for dinner and that kind of picky picnic eating is my dream. Yeah, I so like that. Leave charcuterie boards alone. <laughs> the fried chicken sandwich. How do you feel about that, sir? I mean, I love fried chicken. <laughs> okay, so that <laughs> like one stays as well. Sandwich. No, it can, it can go the way. I'm not the one who will set the trend or not, but... <laughs> Let us know yours now. We have got so many people getting in touch on 4001. Sharing who lights up your life at Iskotabali. Chef, if, you were, if I was literally going to give you 500 dirhams, send you off with a trolley, what would you pick up at Spinney's? What would, what would a chef buy? Um, I would go straight to the maybe the fish section, you know, buy some nice fresh fish and uh, maybe the nice tomatoes and just like create a simple dish at home. That's it. I know 500 is a lot, but I can get a lot of fish for that. You can. They've got the dip oysters there as well. Yes, some scallops sometimes that are pretty nice. So. Okay. It's always interesting to hear what people would spend it on. For me, mm-hmm. I change my mind all the time. Uh, they actually broke a record for the biggest honey cake in the world at the weekend. I'm oh, like, wow. maybe I could buy that for 500 dirhams. Yes. I want, you need to see a picture of it. Farmer's Kitchen on Dubai Eye 103.8. We're talking about the food trends that you could happily live without. Dan saying, Wagyu, stop fooling people with that on menus. This is coming from the owner of Carney Store. <laughs> um, what, I think that's an interesting point, because again, we were just saying the chocolate fondant is everywhere, the burrata is everywhere. Wagyu seems like something people just feel like they have to put on the menu without really understanding what the consumer should be looking for. Yeah, it's a stamp, you know. It's a quality stamp, so you put it on the menu, you can charge more people. Are like, oh yeah, it's going to be great and, and amazing meat. But sometimes it depends. You can also have like different type of breed that are also as good as Wagyu. So it's, it's, it's more, if you're, if you don't, if you're not knowledgeable about that, it's, it's not easy to understand it, you know. Nor is it a guaranteed mark, as you say, mark of quality, not guaranteed a good thing. Um, let's go from meat to non-meat because (laughs) you are also behind, uh, Moby, which is vegan sushi. And when you think sushi, I've got to be honest, I think raw fish, but I've tried it. And it resulted in me sending you a WhatsApp going, tell me about this katsu sandwich. What is it? What is this so- sorcery? How can this not be chicken? Tell us about why you feel like vegan sushi should be on everyone's plate. Look, uh, we, we really wanted to, to create this brand. Uh, it's a Japanese-inspired uh, plant-based eatery. So it's, it's more than sushi for mm. us. It was like really to, to, to follow something that we, was deeply in our core. It's to create something that is plant-based and, and to difference ourselves in that. Uh, and the, the Asian route was like the easiest route for us in that sense because I think you can really play around with the flavors. And, you know, I'm not, I'm not a vegan chef myself and I'm not vegan myself either. But I think, you know, you have to treat the products, any products with uh, reason and with love. So whatever it's uh, 
in front of you, it's a challenge and you have to create something that is flavorful. You know, some, a lot of people are like, oh, I didn't thought that vegan food could taste that good. But you already ate a lot of vegan food without Not even realizing it. Realizing it. Yeah. What I don't like is the is the label you put on it. You know, mm. the, the the vegan or, or plant based labeling as also be, sometimes it can become a trend, and that's wrong because it's not a trend. At the end, it's it's a way of eating and a way of living for so many people, and it's it's, it's just good food. And if you create it the right way, you you do it right. And I think that's a really important distinction. It's not it's not a them or us. It's not black or white. It is no. everyone having a pick and mix approach and one to experiment you as a chef being able to get creative yeah and the result is so delicious thank you so much tell us a little bit about some of the substitutes that you've been making and the kind of the process to get there so the idea for the for basically all the rolls the maki were to 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 obviously stay on a on a a good quality of rice and and seaweed and the inside was important so that it's the flavor that was the most uh, interesting part to create you know because obviously you have to remove like in, in your head, you have to remove the fish. So it's like, oh, how come I'm going to make it nice and just not put avocado, in, for example, inside. So we really played around with like all the influences and the techniques that we can put in to create something that is different. And when you eat it, you're like, oh, okay, I'm not only eating a cucumber and, and an avocado. There is a thought a process behind. There is flavors. It's seasoned well. So that's what makes the difference, actually. Like a real component. Yeah, it's it's like you're eating something nice. That's it, you know. And, and the same for the salads. Like people are like oh but what are these salads and it's just nicely created salads with good seasoning mm-hmm. and uh, that can please vegan and non-vegan because also that's the point you know it's you should just like come and eat and have, have good food i don't want to make a carrot become a beef ribeye or a beef ribeye become a carrot what it is is what it is and try to make it the right way and how best for people to try it experiment play and order most importantly uh, I'm how sorry? to order oh uh, yes we can uh, we are on Deliveroo. So you can uh, order on Deliveroo. Um, and we are uh, located in Al-Sakal Avenue in A4 space. So we opened like a month ago. We have a beauty- beautiful space there. Um, you can come, say hi, eat some nice uh, vegan uh. food and plant-based uh, maki and salads and uh, katsu sandos and a lot of baking goods the that katsu, we do in the morning. That's my must order, the katsu sando. It is unbelievable. It's, Thank you. It really is. It's so clever. So, so clever. Um, and if someone's going to pop in, you know, the next few days and order something, is there one dish, one roll that you're like, okay, you need to have the Moby experience by ordering the... Yeah, not only the there. There is all so of, many. Okay, share I will say I will say the grilled Roman salad is my is my is my salad to go because it's something super cool and very different. It's mm-hmm. grilled salad, so people are kind of like, wow, what's that? And uh, uh, I will say the mushroom lover is really nice. It's made also with truffles, so it's like interesting. Uh, tapioca dessert, really good. Uh, grilled mango and pineapple with shimito garashi on top. Delicious. Yeah. Okay, everyone's hungry now. Thank you, Adrian. You're listening to Farmer's Kitchen on Dubai Eye 103.8. We are talking food this afternoon. I always love your recommendations. If you've been somewhere special recently, there was a fantastic chef or a dish that you think deserves shouting about on the radio, get in touch now. I've honestly discovered so many fantastic places because of you and what to order when I'm out and about. We're obviously expert every Wednesday as well, so if you've had some good eats there, please share them. Joining us live in studio and it's so nice to have guests in the studio. Chef Adrian is here, the exec chef at Inked. Tell us a little bit about Inked as a concept because it's kind of changed over the last couple of years. I first encountered it as a space when you had a permanent base at Al Sakal and you would do experiences 
And you still do that, but not in the space. What's it all about? Yeah, exactly. So uh, basically, we have uh, we have a food and dining experience. Uh, we, we create experience, we create pop-ups, and we create dining experiences. Not anymore in the physical uh, space. So we are out of our space now, and uh, we still do a lot of event and pop-up and private dinners. And under Inked, uh, we created Incognito Burgers. That was first launched as a pop-up in Alsacal Avenue. And this is what I love about Dubai. When something does well and it resonates with people, you've got an opportunity to go, do you know what? Well, why not continue to, yeah. to do this? And now you've got a permanent space for this burger concept at Russell 51. Exactly. What's on the menu? Oh, uh, we launched a new menu actually, like last week. So I'll keep it as a surprise for you. You oh, should no, come. You I, should come I, and I will try. come, but, but now make us hungry. Uh, we, we, we are um, very eclectic in the sense that we have half of the menu that is regular and half of the menu is vegan. So we have options also for both. So you could swap in and out. Of course, in and out, you can do whatever you like. Uh, we also started a partnership with uh, Impossible and uh, Tyndall, both uh, interesting um, um, plant-based brand. Uh, so that's why also we created new burgers. But we also have our like famous burger, the cheeseburger the chorizo uh, so so many new stuff we try to we try to recreate ourselves again you know not mm-hmm. to to fall in the in the in the gap and always like you know do the same things and innovating is as we were just discussing around Moby and plant-based yeah, so Asian sushi Moby was our uh, little one that just like was uh, born like a, a month ago and we are working on uh, on something else that's going to come soon it's all about Such ice cream a- oh Ooh, I like it already. Yeah. Uh, 4001 to let us know where you have been recently. Now, Adrian, you grew up in France. Yes, oui. Bien sûr. Oui, bien sûr. Uh, we're talking cheese very soon with, mm. uh, I don't know, how do you say cheesemonger in French? Fromager? Oui, un fromager. Yeah, fromager. This, is his, this is his life. I'm like, that is yeah. a very, very nice situation. Um, learning about how to put together the ultimate cheese platter, uh, where every cheese fan should visit. Have you got a number one? Have you got something that you kind of got? Oh, we were just talking about raclette. Now all I can think about is melted cheese. But what, what's, what are some of your favorites? Oh, I have so many, like, I'm, so, I'm so French. French. Roblochon, <laughs> Beaufort. Like, I have so many. Like, I, I, I cannot live without cheese. Like, it's, I'm with you, know. you, 100%. Now, something that had caught my eye, and I was very keen to get your take, and in fact, everyone listening today, let me know, thumbs up or thumbs down, special menus for ladies where the price is not printed. So imagine you go out for dinner with your other half. If you're a man, you get given a full menu. You know exactly how much every item is. The woman simply gets a menu with a list, basically identical, but not a clue how much things cost. Is this chivalry? Is it sexism? Let us know. I remember being in Dubai when I first moved here and having this exact experience. It might even have been on my first date Mm. with my husband. We went to ah, Ruth's Chris for steak. Yeah. And on the first date, you're kind of going, well, I don't want to be like rude and order, you know, something. The most expensive no, without I knowing. D- no, I don't want him thinking well, she's, just, she's just, here for the, <laughs> <laughs> just here for the good cuts of meat. Um, so I think it's, it's, it's kind of, I was very self-conscious about it. In Italy, uh, a footballer and his girlfriend went out. She was given the special ladies menu for ladies who are too sensitive to know how much things cost, presumably in the eyes of the restauranters. And they have said back, you know, this is about creating a special experience for both parties. We want a woman to be able to order the food and not worry about the price. Not worry her pretty little head, presumably. Adrian, what's your thought on this? Look, I'm French. I've worked in three Michelin stars mm-hmm. restaurant all my life. This is something that is very used in, in, in France. We, we, I've been grown up. I grew up with that. Like people like you don't give the price. 
they don't give the menu with prices, you know. It's, I'm, I'm to, sure, to, to I'm just sure, the women or to anybody? No, to the women. And I'm sure it's oh still happening. Gosh. But look, for me, I think it's very old school and you have to like live with your time. You know, everyone is capable of seeing a price and paying for it. It's just a bit annoying that everything has to be on that level. You know, it mm-hmm. becomes like such like a crazy thing. Oh, I received the menu without price. I can pay for my bill. Of course, everyone can pay for their own bill, you know. So this is a real traditional old school thing. Do we see it, it in Dubai anymore? I've never seen that here, to be honest. Farmer's Kitchen on Dubai Eye 103.8. Joining us live in studio to talk the latest food news, trends and making us very hungry indeed, Chef Adrian, he's the executive chef at Inked. We've just been talking off air about what else? Expo, <laughs> because I've become, what? I've become a little bit obsessed with it. I'm going again tomorrow with the kids. I made my little plan because, you, you know, you oh, have to. Of course. So we're going to... They really want to go to Bread Ahead, which just serves pizza and donuts. I was like, okay, fine, we will Can do I that. Can I come with you? Yes, of course. <laughs> but you have to share your donut because there's like, the flavors are insane. Mm. I had lemon curd. Uh huh. Mm. They had salted caramel and honeycomb. They had blackberry cheesecake. They had pistachio. Wow. So they just do two things and do them really well. The pizza. I like that. Yeah, I do too. Yeah. I, think there's a, I think there's a lot of bravery involved in a menu like that. Yeah. And it's packed. So they want to go to Bread Ahead because I came home and said that that's where I went and they almost cried because they were so jealous. <laughs> Why you went without us? <laughs> Why did you? We want to go to Expo. Mm-hmm. They really want to see Opti the robot. I told them about the bins that say thank you when you put your yeah. recycling yeah, in. They want, to, they want to see the bins. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, oh, these are my children. Uh, the water feature, Brazil, where you can get your feet wet. Um, and I want to take them to the mobility pavilion as well. But there's no way we're going to be able to do it all in one day, five days, ten days. You we need know. six months. Well, luckily, we have six months. Yeah. So tomorrow we're having a little bit of a, a bit of a taster. You've got your expo next week because you're doing a dinner. What's that for? Yes, we have a private event uh, with Inked uh, in uh, collaboration with Gagano. Um, so the- you, say, you say it's so much nice than I'm like Gagano. You say Gagano. 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 Which, Gagano. Uh, and so you're going to be around the German pavilion exactly. area. Exactly. And uh, we are doing a private uh, private dinner for 30 guests on three days in Amazing. a row. So yeah. What's something. on the menu? Can you tell us? You can tell us everything in case someone's listening. But what, we, is there a, is there a, a what's the brief and, and how, how are you going to be putting executing it? Obviously, it's a, a, a little of, uh, of German influences in the food, but uh, the inked way. So always try to be a bit creative and fun and, and play around with the food. Uh, for example, there is a nice uh, a nice dessert we played on the black forest, and we called it the white forest. So, it's what, what flavors? Uh, some 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 nice things. I, can, <laughs> I cannot really say everything, but there Please is there take is photos. there is a bretzel uh, ice cream, for example, Ooh. and some white meringues on top. So everything is is well thought by the team, uh, and it's this kind of event we do also love to do that. It's uh, it brings back the creativity. Well, the first time that I, as I said, came to the Ink Space, it was for an event when Netflix launched in the region, oh, which wow. feels like a million years ago. That was a nice event. It by was the way. Re- so they turned Ink, which is like a warehouse, like a great block, yeah. right? But but you you know you could put this creative twist on it, and you went in and they created different rooms for like all of the new Netflix offerings. Yes. So I went in and we were in Stranger Things, and it was the sofa with the lights behind, and yeah, then we went through a cupboard, and you were at the <laughs> Crown, and then upstairs was glow i think and the food was amazing we had obviously. to recreate the food that was sticking to the theme of each uh, show and yeah, yeah, it, yeah it was super nice that like sounds this, like that's i mean what a fun job you have uh, yeah i mean it's it's 
it's amazing when you have this kind of brief and you have to like try to recreate or like uh, and, and and do something so that the the client can experience it. You know, mm-hmm. it's it's absolutely insane. It's really fun. It's and I feel like Dubai is such an it's such an exciting time to be here right it now is. because at Expo, for example, we're having you know you've got the Matar, of course you've got Ravi there yeah. you know but you've also getting brands that have never had a presence in the region before like Bread Ahead for example this is the first one they've had outside of Borough Market in London you've got you've been to, we had Baron on the show yesterday you've been to the one in Beirut yes I loved it and now now they're here and for me and I know this doesn't sound really naive when I was thinking about what Expo was going to be about I was thinking this would be very businessy and it I hadn't quite appreciated that food was going to be such an integral part of the experience. I would have never thought that either. And when when I realized that there were so many st- restaurants opening, so many chefs, so many things happening, it's it's actually putting uh, Dubai on another map, mm-hmm. like food wise. It is, and it's really it's really exciting to see these different collaborations. So enjoy yourself next week yes, in Germany. You. <laughs> make <laughs> sure you. you make sure you get your passport. Guten Tag. Uh, we've had a lot of messages going. Tell me more about vegan sushi. It is Moby. It is a for space in Al Sakal, and you can get it on Deliveroo. Um, if you're going to order, I mean, for me, katsu, katsu yes. sando, yes, all day long. All but day long. I need to come back and please let us know about the new ice cream, my dear. I will, I will. Chef Adrian, where can people follow you, and indeed, uh, what you've been working on on Instagram? We have uh, Inked Dubai, Incognito Burgers, Moby Sushi. It's M-O-B-Y, by the way. M-O-B-Y. If you want the details, let me know, 4001. Have a wonderful weekend. Thank you for your time. Thank you, you too. Always a joy to have you in the studio. Welcome back to Farmer's Kitchen with Spinneys. Eat well, live well. Only on Dubai Eye 103.8. Talking food and constantly topping the charts of people's favourite dishes, whether to eat in a restaurant or to get for takeout, is the burger. David Michaels is a burger expert, an actual connoisseur, and the author of a book called The World is Your Burger, from history to trends of one of the world's favourite foods. He's also the man behind successful brands, including Bite Me Burger. For me, yes. I, I, can't, I, I do know people that eat them in the morning, and I'm not much of a breakfast person, but um, by 11 o'clock I can certainly have one, but not, <laughs> not first thing. Where did your interest in this iconic dish start? I think it was in the late 70s when my mother took me to a wimpy bar in England. I don't know if you remember I those. do. And wimpy was posh because you had actual plates. You had actual plates and you had this, this, this funny little tomato ketchup as a real tomato sort of thing on the, uh, on the tables. And that was my first introduction to it. And then McDonald's opened their first branch in Woolwich in, uh, in, in London. I couldn't wait to go there because of all the hype, but having but I had already tasted it in Amsterdam, and that's really where it where it started uh, for me. I, I, you know, that was my kind of staple thing. And in those days, we didn't have all the kind of health warnings for children and all of that like we have now. Oh, so well, my mum I mean, was just, yeah, McDonald's is great. Fine, let's just do it. And you know, for me growing up, it was McDonald's uh, parties were like that's what the that's what the the cool kids had you know when we look at the kind of the history and the real history where did the burger begin um well it's actually <laughs> it's actually um a bit of a weird one that because people claim to germany claim it uh the romans claim it and america claim it so there's no real hard evidence proof but most people believe that it probably came from the romans the times have definitely moved on and we see incredible chefs um really elevating 
what we you know we think of as being the the humble burger and, and using quality cuts of meat and adding all sorts of extras it's dubai so i'm sure there's a few gold leaf burgers kicking around uh, mm. this part of the world how do you feel about that evolution well i think it's great i mean really the the gourmet burger as we sort of know it today is really only over over the last 15 years or so maybe even 20 when we opened bite me in australia the reason that it was opened was it was a bit of a gag um i got there to do a design project and we noticed there was nowhere to eat a a good hamburger there was mcdonald's and hungry jacks which is their burger king because they couldn't use the name over there but there was nothing there was literally nothing where you could eat a decent burger so that's where we said well why don't we do a decent one and we did and we opened it quite quickly there um but it was at that point it was the education we were quite expensive and people would come to, to to our place and say my God, how can you pay that for a hamburger? Once they got across the door and they tasted it and they understood that we were using very good meat, we were serving it, you know, medium, slightly pink in the middle. And people hadn't heard of this before, you know. How can you eat a hamburger, with, you know, that's pink in the middle? So we had that challenge to start with where you, you, it was getting people across the door that would be prepared to pay, I can't remember what it was, but say it was $10 a burger um, rather than $3 that they could get uh, that they could get in, um, in, 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 in McDonald's. Mm-hmm. Then shortly after that, the Kiwis um, came to Britain Um, And they opened GBK. And that was really the first restaurant that opened that that was gourmet. You could get them at the temperature you wanted, anything from medium rare to well done. They had at that time, they had an awful lot of side sauces and different types of fries. And no one had seen this. They came in and they kind of changed, changed that. And again, it was educating people. David Michaels, a huge burger fan, a connoisseur and the author of The World Is Your Burger. You're listening to Farmer's Kitchen on Dubai Eye 103.8. It is all about food on your Thursday afternoon and ask 100 people what their favourite food is. I bet you burgers will feature in a good number. One man who has built a career writing about and consulting about burgers is David Michaels. He's written a book called The World Is Your Burger, speaking to us from the UK. And he said people there, possibly like us here, some will pay more for a burger. The price that they charge, which is around the average of £16 here, is only an average of $6 in the States. So the pricing is is just um, crazy. You know, and, and, and again, it's the power of the brand. People want a bit of Shake Shack. They want a bit of uh, they want a bit of Five Guys. You know that kind of mentality. But are there any brands that you think are doing really, really well when it comes to? And let's put the branding and the marketing aside. But when we think about the offering in terms of food, um, who do you think is doing a really good job apart from? The ones that you are involved with yourself, of course. I think in I think in the UK there's a company called Honest Burger. They are really good. The meat is good. They pride themselves on on all on all things green, the sustainability. You know all of that kind of thing. They're, you buy their burger, it comes with rosemary salt fries. They're really nice. I you know they started off literally in a field, two guys serving you know burgers up, and they now I believe have somewhere between 20 and 30 branches and that they are the only burger company in the uk that are really sort of still growing except for the the big boys um but i I put them in a in a different class to those you know the shake shacks and the five guys to me are, are a step up from mcdonald's 
then yeah. there's the, the, the next step up to what where I put Honest uh, and, those, and Byron and GBK, those kind of things, because it's more of a sit down thing and it's more of an experience. The food is brought to you. You're not queuing up to get it. And then you have, a, you know, your, your burger at the Ivy or, you know, your kind of Michelin twist and the yeah. really kind of extravagant, um, you know, here in Dubai, most most restaurants that aren't, you know, very we'll specialised cuisine yeah. will have a burger. Um, yeah. Maine being a really good example. And they've just opened in Mayfair, but it was is a Dubai brand. Um, you mentioned green there with Honest. And I, I'm very curious when we're thinking about trends to talk about the meat alternatives. Hugely popular here in Dubai, both in supermarkets, but also um, the likes of Good Burger doing the Impossible um, Burger or Moving Mountains uh, Beyond, of course. Um, what, what's your take on it? How many have you tried? Are there any that you think taste-wise, texture-wise are, are yeah, impressive? I mean, it's very exciting. The whole world's gone mad for it. And I think it will sort of go up and then level off a bit. And it always has. We've just launched uh, Tyndall, uh, which is a chicken brand in Dubai. And we're uh, officially launching Impossible Burger tonight, actually. Uh, so we're doing in, in the restaurant in Dubai. I mean, for me, I was always a sceptic. Uh, because I'm a meat lover and I was always in a position where where I didn't really want to try I wasn't interested it was always no it's a, a burger you know I'm a purist it had to be that but I had tried both and I I'm absolutely was was floored at how uh, how they really do taste I nearly like said life I nearly said lifelike there which would have been a horrible choice of phrase <laughs> <laughs> but it is in, in terms of texture and my six-year-old is a dedicated carnivore I wouldn't say she's been fooled but she'll very happily have um you know some, some of the burgers we get from from spinnies and you know we'll, we'll we'll ask for it and I think actually for vegetarians and vegans they have been kind of underserved for so long it's been a kind of a token portobello mushroom that's you know, just been kind of shoved between two bits of bread or like a really sad vegetable patty where it all falls apart and what are you doing in terms of yours you talk about impossible there you've chosen that presumably because you've tasted others and this is the one that's impressed you the most yes and I think the power of their brand is huge um they've done extremely well their product is really really good for the beef my gripe and this is where I'm trying to work to is that most of the restaurants that I see that serve this food, you know, it's it's 25 to 30% more mm. price. And I know there's reasons for that, you know, um, but I do think that, that it needs to level out because I don't think it's fair. They're not even getting real meat and yet they're being penalised to pay a lot more for it. At the moment for us, we're keeping it pretty level, but it does come from the suppliers, you know, the suppliers and the, you know, they they are pretty expensive because of, I guess, the research they've had to put in. And of course, and lack of, and lack, of, lack of competition. And I think that's that will be changing over the coming years as well as more people see not just, you know, the financial opportunity for want of a better phrase. And I agree, you know, it's important to offer this on a menu, but it's also pretty good business sense right now because there has been such an explosion in, in that area over the last couple of years. And look, looking ahead, David, what do you think are going to be the, the incoming trends when it comes to burgers? What, what, what are you seeing internationally that we might get here in Dubai or that could be around the corner globally? People are trying, um, you know, new sort of burgers, more outrageous kind of styles of burgers. What can we possibly put between two pieces of bread? A lot of people now are kind of because of COVID a 
looking and going, you know, we've got these ideas, but let's wait. You know, people that I talk to everywhere are kind of, you know, we want to do things, but let's wait. Having said that, you know, in the UK, Gordon Ramsay's just opened his own chain of burgers, uh, literally about 10 in about three months. You know, I think he's got one vegan menu, vegan item on the, on the menu. McDonald's has just launched their vegan uh, patty here in the UK about a week ago. People are going crazy for that. So, I mean, I mean, I, I think that's a good thing. I, I, you know, I do think it's good. I think people will come up with new ideas and people will always want to open burger restaurants. I wouldn't be surprised if one of the, the giant um, people like Impossible or Tyndall actually start opening their own restaurants. Why not? David Michaels, burger connoisseur and author. He has been literally around the world taste testing burgers. So what about tips on making them at home? A good burger in your backyard or balcony? You know, the barbecue season is great. I mean, you know, just buy good meat, you know, cook it on the barbecue. Don't don't overcook it because that's what tends to happen on barbecues. People always think they have to they have to cook it. Uh, well, I think everyone's worried about food poisoning. So you go to the other end of just complete incineration. But if you buy, but if you buy good meat, you, you don't have that problem that's overcooked. What about condiments? I am passionate about condiments, David. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> um, no, I mean, what, look, I again. What works I, for you? I, I'm a purist again. I like to taste the meat. I have ketchup on burgers, absolutely. Always Heinz. I think that's delicious. I like mustard. Not great on mayo unless it's a truffled mayo or a mustardy type mayo or something more interesting. Um, we're just launching um, a Bernays sauce burger. Ooh, um, that, well, that makes sense. We think about a beautiful steak with a Bernays sauce. Why not make it a beautiful burger with a... Exactly. Ooh. We've mixed it. You can have it with either, either plain or with uh, three types of mushrooms blended in. Um, so, you know, I, I'm, if, I'm if you're very much, day. <laughs> Yeah, I'm very much for, you know, giving a nice choice. At Bite Me, we have 16 different mini burgers, including lamb. You can have duck burger with hoisin sauce and smoked Ooh. truffle. All of those kind of nice things. I mean, I think it's fine to have the standard classic burger. But one of the reasons we created Bite Me with a mini burger is so that you can mix and match. People can eat them, um, you know, we'll have people that will eat four to six burgers easily so oh, you're making me so hungry honestly how many burgers do you think you eat in a week on an average week actually not too many these days um I okay mean, okay in your peak when you're researching for the book oh when i was researching for the book i was doing probably three three burgers a day when i started i was 12 and a half stone and I went up to fourteen or something when I came back from doing the the research. And it's not easy for me, you know. People say these connoisseurs will say, "Oh, we'll do a burger tasting," and they'll have a little mouthful. For me, I I I find it hard not to eat the whole thing. Can you imagine doing it like like a tasting, and you just kind of have a little just breathe, and then you you, you have your spit you have your spittoon. No, you want the full experience. Exactly. I'm going to have to let you go, unfortunately, but thank you so much for your time today. The world is your burger. Cultural history is available and uh, looking forward to having you in Dubai very, very soon. Be great to catch up and uh, not share a slider. We don't share sliders, but maybe, you know, do a cheers with the slider. Thank you. Have a wonderful day ahead. My pleasure. Thanks a lot. Bye-bye. Burger consultant and connoisseur David Michaels there, making us hungry. Hands up, who's going to be having a burger at the weekend? You're listening to Farmer's Kitchen on Dubai Eye 103.8.
So over the course of last week, we were asking you to get in touch and tell us why you really needed something of a transformation. We were teaming up with Enhanced Fitness to offer one lucky winner a really incredible prize. A month of class, well, not even classes, of sessions with Enhanced Fitness and nutrition consultation and meal plans as well. Our winner was Roxy, and it turned out to be the perfect time. We're speaking now to Alexander Makura, head of Enhance Academy, to tell us a little bit more about what they do. And honestly, Alexander, this couldn't come at a better time because I literally had two lunches to Mark Diwali. How are you? Hi, great to be on the show. Thank you for being uh, with so, us. <laughs> yes, yeah, so super excited uh, about this project and really happy that the client that actually received the prize is getting married next month. So I, I think know. this is a perfect free wedding gift. I think it's an incredible, incredible gift. And I'm, I think, you know, we know that planning weddings can be incredibly stressful. So, you know, get some endorphins going, feel good, look great and get ready. Um, I would like to kind of understand a little bit more, though, about what Enhance does, because it's, it's different. It's not like we're sending Roxy off for, you know, 20, you know, boot club sessions, for example, boot camp sessions, rather. Um, how, can you tell us a little bit more about Enhance Fitness and what you do, what yes. point of difference? So what we do is actually highly personalized, and we are a tech-enabled personal training platform. So it means that we are combining technology. We have our own in-house uh, application, along with human expertise, and then we deliver personal training training sessions. So at the moment, we're counting around 200 trainers wow. on board. And the types of workouts that we offer range from general fitness, bodybuilding, uh, injury rehabilitation, self-defense, swimming, boxing, yoga, I can go on and on. There's really <laughs> a lot of uh, uh, styles of training that we offer basically to suit everybody's needs. And the clients can choose to train in variety of locations. So we have a list of partner gyms around the city that they can access at no extra cost. And they can even train at the beach or in the park or in their own preferred location where the trainer brings all the equipment. So, so super flexible. We provide a lot of flexibility and convenience. Exactly. I think for a lot of people, the barrier about having a personal trainer is like, oh, I don't want to, you know, I haven't got access to a gym or I haven't got the gear or I don't want to be just doing weights all the time. The fact that you could, you know, do, as you say, self-defense or boxing, yoga, swimming, um, it kind of opens up to, to a lot. So really excited for Roxy. And over the course of that month, she's going to be having 20 sessions with a trainer who's going to be working at her fitness level and doing disciplines and fitness and activities that she wants to do there's also going to be a food element as well nutrition and and lifestyle how do you support with other areas not just the exercise Exactly. So I would say that her program and actually most of the programs that we do are really personalized. So we also work on the client's lifestyle and really understanding what they truly need, uh, maybe in terms of coaching or changing some habits. So we're there to, to assist them throughout the whole journey, uh, not only through physical activity. So nutritionists will also be uh, providing her with guidelines on how to basically tweak her diet. And then finally, she will have meal delivery that will be provided by our partner, FitLab. So all the meals will be sent to her doorstep. Uh, and we actually personally tested them to make sure that the quality and the <laughs> taste of the food is great. So she will get to enjoy. Oh, good. Well, month. that's the thing. It's not, about, it's not about punishment for a month. It's about, you know, feel, feeling good and feeding your body as well. Um, exactly. I've, I've got a bit of an awkward question for you. But what happens if you sign up with a personal trainer? You tend to think this isn't really a personality match or I'd rather try something different. Can you yes. can you quite easily switch between people? I'm just cause, exactly. because so for me, I've do? I've had situations like with the trainers. I'm like, I don't want to spend an hour in your company. I can't be bothered to chat, yes. or this just doesn't suit me. Can you swap quite easily? 
Exactly. So the beauty of it is that during the initial consultation, our customer service team actually gathers quite a lot of information from the clients, and we also match them not based on skills only, mm -hmm. but also based on personality. And if for whatever reason the click is not there and the chemistry is not there, you can easily switch to another trainer, or you can even mix and match, and let's say you can do yoga on one day, boxing on another day, so we are basically quite flexible. The whole point is for the client to enjoy their, their journey. Um, lastly, I wanted to ask you, we're going to be following Roxy's journey over the course of the next month, but how do you track progress? And I don't want to say results, because I think working out sometimes is to do with how you feel rather than how you look, so how do you track that? Yes, yeah, so we have a system in place uh, that will be following the qualitative and quantitative measures. So the qualitative tracking will basically focus on how she's feeling and what effect the program is having on other aspects of her life. Uh, and then the quantitative measures are going, going to look at fitness data. So can she run faster, lift heavier, do more reps in shorter period of time, basically depending on her uh, specific goals. And I would say that the main emphasis is on performance. Of course, there would be some body metrics uh, tracking if the clients want, mm -hmm. but the main focus is on how they feel and improving their, their quality of life uh, through training, nutrition, and then the body will follow along, basically. Thank you, Alexandra, for, for clarifying, because as I said, it's, it's, a, it's a unique concept and one that I know has been hugely popular. So for anyone that wants to check you guys out, is it still true that you offer a free personal training session when you download the app? Please say yes. Yes. So the first okay, session is completely free of charge. Uh, we do the full fitness assessment. We lay out the program. And then if the client is happy, they can sign up and start training with us. But first session is completely free. Amazing. Thank you so much for being with us Thank this you. afternoon. Really excited to catch up with Roxy and uh, see how how that month goes. You're listening to Farmer's Kitchen on Dubai I 103.8. Don't forget, you can tune in live to Farmer's Kitchen every single Thursday afternoon on Dubai I 103.8 between 2 and 5 p.m.